a favour the podcast about learning from experience and the things we do to make our lives easier. My name's Tim Sisney from Make Work Work Better and each episode I'll be talking to my guests about their epiphanies, their inspirations and the magic of their workflow. I am very, very happy today to be joined by Alice Lines from Dark Coffee, who is a class follow on LinkedIn and one of my favorite people to get my mental health and well-being updates from on the internet. Um, Alice, hello. Hello, that was the best intro ever. Class act on LinkedIn. That's going to go in my bio now. (laughs) (laughs) Do it, do it. Um, would you like to tell everybody a little bit about yourself? What's your thing? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I'm, I'm Alice. I run Dark Coffee, which is my well-being company. And our whole remit is to help people be more badass in their work and in their wider lives outside of work. Um, so that kind of looks like coaching. It looks like training. I do a podcast myself as well, which is also called Dark Coffee. Um, I've been trying to rebrand it for about four months and it still hasn't happened. So chances are, if you look for Dark Coffee, it will still be called that. And um, yeah, I like to talk to people about anything and everything to do with work, well-being and um, mental health. And that's just me, really. Tell me about badass. Where did that come from? What's <laughs> where, where, what's led to what's what's led to that? What's led to the badassery? <laughs> um, I think it was just my kind of attempt to differentiate from other people in the space, to be honest, because there were a lot of people. What I learned when I first went into into the well-being kind of space was that there seemed to be two camps emerging. So on the one hand, it seemed to be the it's okay to be okay brigade, who more often than not were a bit too softly, softly. And I didn't really resonate with that approach. Like as much as I agree with the sentiment, it's okay not to be okay. I don't know. I just found the language quite disempowering and it almost like took the individual away from any ability to kind of coach themselves or help themselves. And based on my mm-hmm. own kind of lived experience that brought me into the space, that that just didn't resonate with me. And then on the other hand, there was like a very obnoxiously aggressive kind of, you can fight this. If you have a mental illness, you can fight it and kind of combative language on the other hand. And I was like, well, I don't really resonate with that approach either. So when it came to kind of creating my own content, I tried to do stuff that kind of fitted into both of those categories at one time or another. And then I kind of went in the middle and then I was just trying to be, I don't know, something that I wasn't. And then eventually someone just kind of asked me like, what do you want to do? How do you want to help people? And I was like, ultimately everybody is a bit of a badass and I just try and help them be, be more badass. And that's what I do. And it just kind of came out in a, in a generic conversation somewhere. And then I was like, Oh, I wonder if that would work if I put it into my marketing, it's a bit cheeky. Not everyone's going to get it. And it felt a bit scary to do, but actually I found the more, myself I was with my language and the way I present myself and my content the more people kind of got it and I thought because mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those things like a lot of us not a lot of us are doing anything completely unique like if you look at an accountant they are doing pretty much the same thing that every other accountant will do they just put their own spin on it so some of them will be very straight down the line and very sort of honest and everything's legit and then you get your kind of crooked accountants and all the rest of it but um <laughs> it's the same in any kind of industry like we have to put our own spin on the stuff that we're doing and that was just my way of doing it and it seems to it seems to be working I I, I seem to attract my kind of weird folk which is nice well I think there's there's something in it I think in being the being very clearly the person that you are and being open about that in your in your marketing your materials and the way you present that means you are going to attract the kind of people you want to work with whereas 
if you were had a very sort of staid and vanilla marketing, then people might not then really get on with the way that your approach your approach works. exactly and my whole thing as well with my business is i don't just want to do marketing and i don't just want to do sales to attract clients that's not really why i started my own business i want to work with cool people and i want to in in lots of different ways i want to create a cool network of people and i want to go to events and and talk to cool people and make cool friends and stuff it's not just about i get really sick of people talking about your marketing of like think about your ideal client and speak only to them it's great advice for making sales it really is like i get why people give that advice but i'm not just in business just to make sales i'm in it to have fun i'm in it to meet interesting people in all sorts of different industries and different walks of life and all the rest of it so yeah i don't i don't just do my marketing just for the purpose of making sales i do it to put interesting information out hopefully or to entertain people and then off of the back of that i get lots of fulfilling relationships not just people wanting to give me money but the latter are always welcome obviously it's also more fun to do it yourself yes <laughs> like for you if you enjoy it yeah it? totally i've tried the other way and uh it doesn't really work because you fall out of love with it really quickly and then you just think oh i need to do marketing because it's an item on my to-do list and the strategy says i need to do that and every book i've ever read about business ownership says you have to do this thing but but why <laughs> i just i don't i can't i'm just i don't know if i'm just like painfully naive but i can't do stuff if i'm not kind of involved in the why behind it if i don't find enough um enough of a pull behind it and the, for me the best way to make something engaging is to make it more fun obviously there are lots of things in business that are not fun to me like i will never be good at my bookkeeping and i will never do it unless my accountant tells me to do it but i can get through that because i know ultimately why i'm doing it and i make it as fun as i can mm -hmm. like i'll put some music on and i'll give myself a treat when i've done it and those kind of things i use a lot of like motivational things to get me to do my accounts <laughs> otherwise it would never get done <laughs> so we're going to talk today about uh things that you've learned um about the um and the things that you've used and that you use on a daily basis to make your life easier mm -hmm. um so i'd like to start off with um can you tell us about something you wish you'd known earlier I wish, this is a big one for me, I wish someone had told me that nobody else knows what they're doing either. Because I used to think when, when my mental health was really bad, like in my in my early to mid twenties, it was probably the worst, but it went on throughout my twenties. I wish someone would have said, hey, you know everybody else on this bus, the ones that you're looking at, they don't know what they're doing either. Because I used to have this thing. I, I The only way I can describe it is I felt like I was a cat and I was a cat pretending to be a human. I was like dressing up like a human every day and getting on the bus and going to work, pretending to be a human. And everybody else on the bus looked like an actual human. And I would just be kind of pretending that I was like that. And I was like, ultimately, I just, I just know I'm not like that. But the older I've gotten, the more I've spoken to people, the more I realize everybody's kind of doing the same. So it manifests in, in small and big ways. So some people um, would say that about their business. They're like, oh, I'm just making it up as I go along. And other people will be a lot more honest and they'll be like, I don't know how to be an adult. I don't know how to raise my kids. Like it will show up in everyday life. And I, I never knew until about, I don't know, four years ago, maybe that everybody else feels the same thing. And you can call it imposter syndrome, call it just a quirk of being human, I don't know. But, oh my God, the, the number of years I drove myself mad with that thought, I just I just wish someone had clued me into that a little bit earlier. What kind of a difference do you think it would have made if, you'd, if you had known that earlier? I think it would have saved me a lot of heartbreak. It would have saved me beating myself up 
and feeling like I was weird and feeling like like otherly is the word I'd use for it I just felt so outside of society in a, in a weird kind of secret way that I didn't I didn't tell anyone about it it would most often be in those times when I was sort of on the bus on my way to work I used to work in a coffee shop I used to be a manager and um, I used to make the the journey across town I used to get two buses to my coffee shop before the world was awake so it's sort of half five horrible o'clock in the morning and um, it was just very lonely I felt so so lonely in those times and I, I I didn't have words to put to that feeling it was so bizarre and isolating so I think if I'd have just I don't know if it was like the content I was consuming at the time but social media was still relatively new at that point it wasn't quite you know you get on the bus and you're scrolling straight away it wasn't quite that um prevalent back then but I just think if I'd have tripped over a couple of accounts that had just kind of spoken about that I think I just would have felt seen and I would have felt more comfortable in my own skin um so those kind of things now impact my work now so when I'm putting content out, especially like mm-hmm. on Instagram, because it's so easy to trip over stuff on Instagram. I just love the thought of like one of my posts speaking to someone at a moment when they feel like they're so isolated and just cutting through the noise and just being like, oh, my God, it's not just me. It's mm-hmm. it's normal to feel weird and it's normal to feel othered and it's normal to feel out of sorts with what everybody else is feeling. Yeah, I think it, I think it would have improved a lot of things. And that's a powerful thing. Yeah. It, and it's true as well because I think it is genuinely a universal feeling. I think it's uh, it's the idea that you never really get to the stage where you've got everything nailed. There's always something that comes along that you've not got down. I don't think anybody um, listening to this, but I don't think anybody ever is going to go, you know, I'll reach the point where suddenly I get it. Um, and if they do say <laughs> it, they're lying. Um, but also I think there's that sense that you I mean I remember for a few years I had I remember driving to work and I'd get out of the car and I'd walk to the office and occasionally I'd just think to myself I wonder what I'm going to do when I grow up <laughs> and it's like and I'm there in my mid-30s kind of going you've, you've been doing this job a while Tim right you, you, this is possibly it um <laughs> or, or maybe if if you know what what is it if it's not what you do when you grow up and uh, and so yeah I think I had a, a similar revelation at some point um, when someone pointed out to me that I think it, I, I seem to remember like there was a senior leader who was leaving who said something like they will never get to a point when you're done mm-hmm. and it will make sense. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? A traumatizing thought when you first hear it, isn't it? And then you kind of sit with it for a while <laughs> and you're like, oh, it's like it's an ongoing process. There's never like a fixed end point until you die. Like that is mm. the end point. But other than that, it's about... I think we're kind of trained and conditioned when we're younger to think that there are these benchmarks and like when you hit this goal then this magical like next level appears and then you're like oh I get it and you always understand every part of the journey almost like um like when you watch a film there's a very obvious like here's the catalyst here's the call to action and then the hero does this and then this is the plan and the plan might change but ultimately this is the goal and like we were brought up on this narrative structure that makes us think that everything has a really tight contained um points and that oh this section Mm. will make sense and then the next chapter will open and then that will make sense and unfortunately our lives are not that tidy they're a bit more chaotic than that so sometimes you're going about your day-to-day life and you're kind of like what where is this going I don't I don't quite what's my motivation I don't understand (laughs) and then then, um that's part of the fun as well is I guess to find a bit of meaning and I think I'll probably touch on that a little bit later on but it's to kind of make 
your own sense in the mess that is your life and to go okay well what is the point of this chapter is there a point if there isn't a point can I just enjoy it while I'm going through it maybe maybe the path will reveal itself as I'm going through the motions who knows but um yeah it's, it's a weird one that you look at all these adults who look from the outside like they've got all their shit together and that's why I'm so fascinated with like badassery and the people that I consider to be the most badass are the ones who are kind of unapologetically themselves and they turn up as if they've got all their shit together and they might not but they just seem to have fun and they seem to get fundamentally something about themselves that the rest of us are a bit like oh I just wish I wish I could have a bit of what that person's taken and it's not it's not that they're necessarily doing anything different from us except for the fact that maybe they're more self-aware of how little they know mm. and then they've just kind of made peace with it which is intrinsically cool obviously <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's really I, it's something that I think when you get somebody who's kind of made peace with the idea that they don't have to know anything then quite often they're just a really they're often really interesting people to be around yeah. because they're kind of like well, you know I don't know let's find out yeah. um it's it's kind of how I wanted to be as a parent was kind of like, you know, when you get the, the why, why, why questions or like, why is that, Danny? Why is that? And what I wanted to do is be, be a kind of, you know, I don't know. Let's find out and let's look it up together. But frankly, after the sort of fifth or sixth <laughs> why, you're kind of like, because I said so, be- because it is. Um, yeah, it's like inspiration <laughs> being the cool, like inquisitive. Let's get curious, kids. Let's investigate the answer. And then the fatigue takes over. <laughs> That's right. I had I, I just there's there's only so much you can do on like three hours sleep. <laughs> I think that's what people don't tell you often, isn't it? It's like how tiring everything is. Like it's so tiring being an adult. And like thankfully I don't have kids. So I'm just in awe of you guys that can do it. But having a business in itself is just that's something else I wish I learned. I wish someone had told me how tiring it is to make decisions fifty times a day. That is tiring. <laughs> if you're struggling, that's okay. <laughs> did did you? I don't know whether you you found the same thing, but that reduction in choice and uh, decision-making that the pandemic brought, I found really comforting. It wasn't, it wasn't for me. I think I, cause I initially I had to move quite a lot, obviously from being in person to being online. Um, I found it quite uh, discombobulating for quite a while of like, oh, so am I going to do that service anymore? Or is that going to change as well? And like, obviously people kind of dropping off the radar and clients disappearing the first uh probably a month or so was really chaotic but then I quite liked the fact that no one seemed to expect anything from you because it was like oh there's a pandemic going on nobody knows what's happening so there were no standards and there was nothing really to be done in those that first kind of two month period so that was kind of nice to just take a step back um but having said that I didn't really step back back I still tried to like trudge my way through it which on reflection was probably a mistake I probably should have uh, <laughs> gave, given myself a bit of time to just muse and to reflect but I, I jumped into saving the world mode and like it's okay everyone let's all just like keep the group together and I was um I was working with a, a an accelerator group at the time so we would organize group calls and kind of keep each other ticking over and keep each other motivated and stuff and there were there was a real desire to keep going and whichever way we could and just to push through it um which was great and it was I don't regret that at all but I do regret that I didn't take probably as much time as I needed for myself just to just to process mm-hmm. it because that all hit me a couple of months later and it was a bit of a shock when it did hit because by then everybody was kind of used to working from home and stuff and I was like why am mm-hmm. I struggling and it's because I hadn't actually <laughs> hadn't processed the trauma and everything but live mm-hmm. and learn <laughs> it I can see that if you if you didn't have that because I mean I think the 
a lot of people found the third lockdown quite hard because everything was i think the novelty had worn off yeah, by that totally. point um but the thing that i found was when as we were coming out of the first lockdown and there was all stuff like um so the schools had reopened but they they did kind of say you know you're supposed to send your kids to school but if you don't you know no one's gonna come around and have a word and i was like seriously you've, i've not had to make a decision for three months yeah and the first decision that you ask yeah the first decision you asked me to make is about my child's well-being it's like can you not just ask me like I don't, what kind of sandwich do i want you know something like a little yeah bit more start simple. me off slowly that's right it was yeah um so being able to kind of but but there was definitely something kind of cocooning about the about the idea that actually a lot a lot of decisions i think it shows how difficult decision making is mm-hmm. how when they're taken out um you think you can really notice the strain that that takes and mm-hmm. yeah, no one really ever explains that that kind of cognitive overhead on a daily basis is actually very stressful. Yeah, it's just massively draining. It's like you're doing a workout all the time because that's effectively what your brain is doing. Your brain is constantly ticking over, processing information, doing, 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 doing. And this is why things like mindfulness and meditation are so great for us. Like I've, I've got to admit, I'm not the world's best meditator, but I do. I, I like to let my mind wander. I like to go on walks and just kind of pay attention to things and just be mindful and just try and switch off a little bit because it's the only chance that you get. If Unless you're intentional about it, you will just block your day with things, 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 things. Hmm. You've got to give yourself almost these like white noise zones where you can just let your mind wander because that's how it processes the information properly and kind of sorts through it and goes, oh, well, that was relevant. That wasn't. Let that shit go. And focus on that don't focus on that stop overthinking that you have to take these like regular moments to check in even if it's just a few minutes Mm. a day you can't just keep going like like we used to like (laughs) in the before time before covid people were more inclined to just trudge and just kind of churn and we're Mm. kind of we've all learned the hard way but learn we did that we have to take a different approach and a different approach can be healthier and better for us i think also there was something about the pace of life in the before time um that was so things like i don't know commuting mm-hmm. or people would have space where they kind of had to even if they didn't realize they were kind of reflecting or letting the mind wander or however, however you want to think about it but actually you couldn't your, your mind couldn't easily be gainfully include in, employed while you're being crushed between sort of 600 people in a tube carriage um so there was a certain amount of of kind of mental downtime we don't have to like spend 45 minutes jammed into a stranger's armpit now but unless you really want to what you do between two consenting adults is (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and you find can find it in a different place although i guess you probably got to wear a mask um but nowadays there's that the commute's gone and everyone's going great enough to the commuting but i can use that time to be useful and i think it's really interesting how our default is we've got this time back how can I use it to be useful as opposed to how can I use it to be, how could I use it to relax more or to give myself some space? And I think there's a danger in that, to be honest. I think we we can be a bit overly pres- prescriptive with our time now because previously we were more aware of the fact that, oh, I've got this meeting on this side of town. I'm on this side of town. I need to commute. If I'm running a few minutes late, you know, I'm already a few minutes late. Maybe I'll just take a few more minutes to just kind of take a few breaths before I go into that meeting, whatever it was. Like people expected that there's going to be this kind of fluff time built into your day and people were very accepting of that. 
now though I feel like our day could be over diarized to the point where it's like oh I have a podcast report recording here and then I have another virtual meeting here and there's 20 minutes in between so in that time I'm going to go and get food and I'm going to talk to my spouse and I'm going to go for a walk and I'm going to da 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 it's almost like we can be too inclined to go in the direction of growth over productivity now because mm-hmm. we we're not very forgiving of ourselves because we're like oh it's all virtual so there's no excuse for lo- lateness and there's mm-hmm. no excuse not to be able to do all the things at the prescribed time and we've lost that kind of I, I call it the fluff time but it really is you know commuting can be great for decompressing and it can depending on the quality of your commute obviously mm-hmm. but I used to use it as like podcast time and I, I still do go to a co-working space in town because I like the separation I like being out of my house I like having that time to decompress and to kind of rethink a conversation I just had or even just to have a conversation with someone in the kitchen at work mm-hmm. I, I really missed that during the height of the lockdown and um yeah for the people for people that have kind of gone to working from home full time I would prompt people to try and have that discussion with your employer if it's at all possible to have at least a hybrid model I don't really think a lot of people want to go back to the office full time but equally I don't really think most people want to work from home full time and it's it's a conversation that needs to be had because we could over focus on productivity and just say oh well everybody's able to work from home therefore it's cheaper therefore we should definitely do it but that's not necessarily a well-being centric approach and that's not necessarily mm-hmm. what's going to be best in the long run i think we could over focus on yeah this has worked during the pandemic oh great let's save a load of money and just have a real work from home i i feel like we haven't we haven't given this a long enough test to know if it's if it's useful long term and, and mm-hmm. if it's healthy long term as well because a lot of us will get really anxious and antisocial if we're working from home all the time i think and well and to your point as well about you know seeing somebody who you would wouldn't necessarily have planned to see by bumping him into a kitchen or whatever like that that time I mean really over the last year we haven't seen anyone that we hadn't pre-arranged to see yeah totally everything's been pre-arranged and the amount of that kind of serendipity that you get from like the account the the casual meeting where you run into somebody and Mm -hmm. that sparks an idea um there's something creative in that that's Mm -hmm you don't get through you can get a lot of a lot of a lot more done via zoom i think than we thought before but there is some stuff that it doesn't do very well such as randomly um bumping you into somebody um although i hear it's a feature they're working on um (laughs) (laughs) could you imagine that they had a breakout room and it links together like a hundred different zoom calls so it's completely random who you happen to run into (laughs) you just just like hi hi i've seen you for ages Um, who are you are you you japan amazing (laughs) (laughs) So moving on a little bit from the, what you wish you'd known sooner, um, we're thinking about now what something that made a difference to you. So um, I started this off with with, um, with the question originally of being a book that that um, that changed things for you, but not everyone's a big reader, so it's like a book or a concept or and however you. But something that made a big difference to you was a bit of a t- turning point in your life. Yeah, I kind of uh, went down the route of meaning, like I, I mentioned earlier. Um, one of my favorite books of all time is Man's Search for Meaning. I don't know if you've read it by mm-hmm. Victor Frankl. Yeah. Super tiny, tiny little book, but people kept recommending it to me at a certain time in my life. And I was like, why is everybody talking to me about this bloody book? So I picked it up and it was one of those game-changing books. It came at exactly the right time. Like I was at a really low point in my life and um, it gave me the gift of perspective, really. So for people that don't know this book, it's by a, a psychoanalyst called, well, he, he discovered... 
he developed his own form of psychotherapy called logotherapy, I think. But he um, was a guy who was sent to concentration camps, including Auschwitz. And he wrote about his experiences after he got out of the camps. And he wrote about how people survived and and why they survived. And it was really interesting to hear his thoughts on it. So it's a really cheery read, as you can imagine. Um, but his observation was the only people that survived through the concentration camps were people who could attach a sense of meaning to everything they were going through. So it wasn't the case that that made the experience enjoyable by any stretch. It was still hell on earth. But the observation he made was the people who survived were the ones who, even if they knew it was the lie, they would tell themselves, my wife is waiting for me on the other side. My children need me. I need to get out of here. And they gave themselves a sense of purpose through the pain that they were experiencing. And it wasn't that that guaranteed that you survive, but all of the people that survived had that one thing in common. And it was just such a fascinating read. It really gives you perspective because obviously whatever time in your life and whatever you're going through and you read that book, you cannot help but be moved and be completely inspired by these people that survive. Probably the you know one of the worst atrocities we'll ever know. And then the other side of it is the strength and the power of having a sense of meaning in your life. It can get you through such ridiculous odds and it was just I was I was really young when I read that book I was like in my in my mid-20s and it's it's a book I keep recommending on to other people and saying just once in your life please read it because it's yeah it spoke to me on a very deep level and that idea of finding meaning in things now I don't profess to know all the answers I don't I'm not one of these people that's like ah oh, the meaning of life is obviously this by my course and I'll tell you what it is it's not that it's just kind of I've I live my life now in a way where I, I trust that there is a point, even if I can't see it, even if I'm not smart enough to know what the answer is, I just kind of believe that there is a point behind it and maybe it will reveal itself on the journey at some point. I'm, I'm glad it's, it's, I'm glad you brought that, that book up actually, because the, my experience with that book was very similar. I didn't, I, I, I did only read it in the last few years, so I didn't read it at such a, um, a, I guess, formative point in my life I, I suppose but I had a similar experience where everybody just kept re recommending it to me mm. um it just kept being it kept coming up and it was mentioned a lot in the I, I guess because of the the link with purpose and a lot of the the, the the lean process improvement stuff that I I was reading um it gets linked it that gets brought up as kind of like the I suppose the ultimate text on purpose and and having a, a reason a reason for being and mm. I and I resisted it for such a long time I think it's because of the subject matter because yeah. you know it's as a it's because reading I don't have as much time for reading as I used to when I commuted and um uh, and you kind of like am, am I is am I gonna how am I going to feel about reading that? And in the end, what I looked at it was like, okay, actually, it is a really short book, and everybody keeps telling me to read it. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I'm really glad that I, I, I kind of got myself in a sort of position where I thought actually I can I can devote some time to this and should devote some time to it because it's mm. it's very powerful and it's a really interesting uh, kind of dissection of that idea that we're beings that need purpose. Mm -hmm. and that purpose drives our decisions and our um and actually provides a motivation which links into to a lot of other sort of theories about what makes us what drives us as people um mm. and num number one is kind of being part of something that's larger than ourselves yeah i suppose 
that's the thing i don't think he wrote wrote it as a spiritual text by any stretch but the meaning i kind of took from it was almost that spiritual idea of we're not just ourselves we don't just just exist in isolation we are part of something bigger and whether mm-hmm. you can see it and feel it and you can identify it it doesn't really matter it's more the like i said the the faith and the trust that it is true and that's a very comforting thought so i think it um it spoke to me in a way it was just very comforting to read even despite the subject matter i think he makes it quite accessible so i mm-hmm. i heard it was kind of a holy a holocaust biography and i was like oh great that's going to be quite heavy going but he almost he's he presents everything in such a matter of fact way that you can kind of read through it and not delve too much into the atrocities if you if you want mm-hmm. to be kind of one step removed from it you can kind of read it that way because he's just like oh and then another dead body was thrown on the pile anyway i went to go and like dig my hole and he there's almost like a weird dry sense of humor under undertone to it um so you can kind of remove yourself from it so i definitely recommend it to anyone that's that is intrigued by it. it's a super quick read and it's just yeah it it it's very formative as a text it's a very mm-hmm. formative read and it's one i keep kind of going back to every few years i just dip into it and i go oh okay everything seems to make sense and like whatever i'm going through it's not as bad a day as he's having so <laughs> perspective is a good thing <laughs> and and how do you think that's affected what you've done since how like how's that how does how's man's search for meaning made a difference to the way that you do things and go about your life and your work it made me really think about living my life with a bit of intention so rather than just going through the motions and just doing things because it's the done way and that's just what you do um i i always had a bit of a problem with my jobs when i was going through because i went to uni and then i couldn't get a graduate scheme and i i really struggled to find my place in the world and to find a job that kind of spoke to me and that book made me realize i think the reason I didn't enjoy any of the jobs I did is because I was just doing them because they were there. It was just kind of, I took the easy option all the time and it was like, oh, you work in this job. They've offered you a promotion. Sure, do it, see what you can learn. And like, there is good that comes from that. You can get a load of experience you would never have expected. But I was very much being kind of dragged along in a lot of respects rather than actually making my own decisions and going, okay, how do I want to approach this? What kind of intention do I want to bring to this? So reading that book it kind of made me take that step back and just be like well what do you want to do you have ultimate control you're not you know restricted in the way that these people in this book are so heavily restricted like you have the choice to do anything that you want within reason what are you going to do with that it was it was kind of quite liberating to think in those terms for the first time scary as well because like you said about responsibility earlier and decision making um there's a power that comes from knowing how autonomous you are, but it's also scary mm. if you've never done it before because you're suddenly like, shit, what what do I do with my abilities? What do I do out in the world? Um, but it just got me a bit more curious and a bit more, um, it, it got me to be a bit more of a director in my own life rather than like a side character in this kind of play that was unfolding or this film. It got me to be like, right, I'm the director. I can decide now. I can, I can choose and choose differently mm. from what I'm doing now. So... Yeah, definitely got me to be a bit more intentional and helped me grow up a little bit as well, rather than just being like, oh, well, at university, they told me I could do this. And in college, they told me you could do this. And I was very much a, a product of um, being an overachiever in school, because when you're when you're in school and if you're an overachiever, I feel like they just they just tell you about exams and get you to pass the next exam. And it's all it's all that very clear path laid out for you. Mm-hmm. And then when you go into the real world and that's removed, it's really disorienting. I hated it. And I was. Like I said, I was lost for a really long time. Um, And it's not like that book found me. It's not like, oh, I suddenly understand anything. But it was that kind of awareness of 
I can figure shit out and I can do it for myself. Mm -hmm. No one is coming to save me. It's this is my responsibility right now. And I suppose if you, without that, you kind of drift and you end up doing, you know, whatever you've found or whatever, wherever you are. And that's, and that's, you know, that's fine. But then at the same time, there's a sense that you, people do some weird stuff for their jobs. (laughs) Yeah. You know, people do some really (laughs) odd things and none of that is in those career questionnaires that you do when you're at school. No. And so like, I met, I met a guy at a, a network thing who was like, he was a horse whisperer. Honest <gasps> to God, goodness, horse whisperer. Wow. Um, who works um, works with traumatised children and uses horses to, to, to help, help traumatised children build trust and rapport. Um, I can't imagine that that like, appeared in, that thing the government did last year to help people retrain, you know, I, no. I, I, I was going to be a florist apparently. Um, oh. Yes. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I think as well is this sense that without wishing to sound too American about it, you know, you, you can kind of be whatever you want to be once you've decided you want to be it. Mm. Um, it's, but in order to identify what that is, you've got to work out what you stand for, what your meaning is and why you're doing it. It's a weird one. I, I've never quite decided which comes first. For me, it's kind of chicken and eggy. It's uh, some people have to do stuff to learn stuff. And I, I definitely think there's an element of that to me. Like I do need to uh, go through this kind of disqualification process of like, right, I tried that. I definitely don't like that. And I kind of rule stuff out. But then you get to a certain point where it's like, okay, you figured out what you don't want. Now, what do you want? And that was kind of mm-hmm. the tipping point where Man's Search for Meaning found me. And it kind of met me where I was at. And it's, I think, if you ask anyone what their favorite book is, I think that holds true. That idea of it finds you at the exact right time and it speaks to you on a, on a level that it wouldn't have impacted you if it had met you mm-hmm. a year before or a year after that point. So I don't, I don't know if everybody like needs to have a sense of meaning to have a fulfilled life. I don't think that can be true because I, I, I see so many people that don't seem to have that, but they're just happy to roll with it. But I think certainly for my personality type, I, I'm quite a kind of, um I have quite a serious side to me which is silly when you look at like my branding and like the badassery and the bright yellow and things like that but underneath all of that like there is a, a serious side to me and I do like to think very deeply and I do like to feel like what is the point of all of this and so for me to try and operate when I was younger for me to try and operate without that it was like rudderless and I felt just like mm-hmm. what is the point I felt that kind of hopelessness and that despair from not really understanding so I don't know if it's the the one correct way to live your life I suspect it won't be right for everyone and that'll feel too like intimidating so I wouldn't want to be as arrogant as to say that's what you need but certainly for me <laughs> that was the missing ingredient that I hadn't recognized up until that point we're talking a little bit now for for the next couple of questions about your I guess you could call it your workflow if you like or the things that you that, that make a difference to your life from a in a more practical sense things that make your life easier mm-hmm. um and i'd like you to talk a little bit now about um a tool that you you can't live without or something you use every day something that's like absolutely pivotal to your to, to your to your daily workflow what you got? i was so excited when i saw this question because there are a couple of things i use that are, are essential for not just my business but my life generally um so number one especially for my business is calendly i absolutely mm-hmm. love using calendly um so it's a it's a very basic tool to schedule stuff in your calendar and you can send people the link and say hey here's my calendar here's my availability book yourself a slot and you can sync it to things like zoom so if they book a slot it generates automatically a zoom meeting 
And then I use another app called Zapier, which is like an automation tool. So once Zapier sees that the Zoom meeting has been allocated and they've booked it, it sends a notification to my iCalendar, which puts it in my iCalendar and sends me an email to tell me that it's in my calendar. So I can look at my emails and be like, oh, someone's booked a Zoom call at this time. Cool. Um, and everything's just synced and it just makes my life feel so much easier. When you send people a Calendly link, they think you're the most organized person on the planet, which I love. <laughs> and I'm like, no, the reason I use Calendly is because I'm very disorganized. <laughs> so that is my uh, my number one. If you work for yourself, I, I say definitely get yourself some kind of digital uh, calendar software. Others are available, but I think Calendly, I pay about £12 a month and it's just changed the game for me. It's so much easier. Um, it's there's a whole thing with like especially you know pinging dates backwards and forwards to people just takes so much time i just feel like it's so old-fashioned now if someone says okay i have Mm. this time available on this day and this something like a big long list and like my brain my brain just doesn't really understand a big long list of things like that whereas if you show me a physical calendar with like little colored dots and i can pick and choose like it just makes sense everything makes more Mm. sense with calendly i feel like everything's gonna be okay as long as i'm losing calendly and it's nice it all um syncs with the calendars and stuff so it can see if if you if you haven't changed your calendly but it sees in your calendar that you've got something else on it won't you know double book stuff if you set Mm -hmm. it up correctly um so yeah it's just made things so much easier um there were two more things that I use that I highly recommend. <laughs> Go for it. Canva, which is graphic design software. So they have a free user level that literally anyone you follow on Instagram probably uses Canva. It's just really, like you were saying about bringing fun and, and making things enjoyable when you're producing content, Canva has really helped me to do that. So I produce all of my social media content through Canva. I do all of my um, presentations through Canva now as well. So I, I design it all in Canva and then I import it over to the PowerPoint now just to make it a bit more on brand and a bit more fun. And um, I paid for the higher user level because they had better graphics and I thought, why not treat yourself? So definitely recommend Canva for anything design related. It just makes everything way more fun. Um, And then the third thing is do not disturb on my phone. It is 90% of the time, if you ring me, you will not get through because I use do not disturb probably more of the day than than not now, because I just, I, I realized how bad interruptions are for your well-being and your workflow. Like mm-hmm. I cannot, I can't abide when I'm in the middle of something and I'm getting into flow and I'm optimizing my time and I'm feeling like, yes, I'm getting it. I'm, get, I'm making a breakthrough here. And then someone rings me or a notification pings off and it, just turning off the notifications wasn't doing it for me because every now and then I touch the screen, I'll be like, oh, what's happening? What's happening? Mm-hmm. And, it, and like the phone still lights up when you get notifications through, but do not disturb. It doesn't do that. And I was like, oh. It started off, I put it on at 10 p.m. till 10 a.m. so that no one would disturb my sleep. Mm-hmm. But now it's almost like an addiction. I'm like, how long can I do? Do not disturb it. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool because sometimes clients will ring and then they'll think like, oh, you're really busy. You must be on another call or something. And I'm like, yes, yes, of course. <laughs> usually, usually I am. I have a lot of phone calls and stuff in a day. So I always turn my phone on, do not disturb. Like if I'm giving a podcast interview like this, it's on do not disturb. Mm-hmm. And it's a game changer, honestly. The the improvement to my concentration and my peace of mind is just, I highly recommend it to anybody. It's surprising as well when you get a distraction like that, quite how much of your attention it pulls, even if it's just like something lighting up, mm-hmm. then it's, you didn't even need to be reading it. It just, it pulls your attention away from whatever it is you're doing. Um, and then if you, God forbid, do get actually pulled into looking at the thing, then it can take you ages to get back to, especially if you're like at a good level of of productivity. It can take you ages yeah. to get back to that level. Oh, it's ridiculous, and it's it's frustrating, and it's 
it's one of those things where I always like hate the other person a little bit even if it's like a really dear friend and they're phoning and I'm like <laughs> oh I'm so glad you called this is great and, and part of my brain hates them a little bit and it's just it's just not good for anyone it ruins your relationships <laughs> like, I never I, it's very rare that I ring anyone now because I just feel so bad about I don't want to infringe on their time I respect their time so much and I want them to have a good productive happy day and all the rest of it so I think um and it kind of buddies nicely with Calendly because I go on a Calendly and I'll schedule calls with people rather than just say to people I never give my number out and just be like oh call me anytime day or night it's like no my time is so limited and I'm not trying to say like oh my god I'm so fancy and better than everyone we're all like that like all of our time mm -hmm. is precious and the more you can figure out how to dull the noise and how to stop the chaos the better you'll be in each of your things like I'm not distracted right now when I'm talking to you because I'm only talking to you I don't have my emails pinging off in the distance I don't have my phone ringing and go oh sorry I'll just uh, I'll just turn that off and forgetting the chain of thought like you mm -hmm. have my full attention right now so this podcast will be the best it can be at this moment in time with my energy levels the way it is today free of distraction and I think that is that's how we all should be in our conversations it's, it's like we said about mindfulness earlier the best way to be present with people is to be fully present with people and we can't do mm -hmm. it if our fucking tech is going off every five seconds <laughs> we just can't do it so I worked out how to use the shortcuts thing on my phone mm. so that it switches do not disturb on when I open zoom ah that's cool um so and that was really helpful just because there was I, I would occasionally I was fine I would just occasionally get a notification that would pop down when I was on zoom and um I would just like you say I'd completely lose my train of thought it would, mm -hmm. and it'd be something really like you know, a new podcast is available or something. And even though it was, it wasn't interesting and it wasn't um, diverting enough to really pull my attention off to it. It was enough to make me lose my train of thought. Yeah. Um, so I've not tried going quite, like quite cold turkey and switching it on the whole time, but actually just picking apps where I know that if I'm opening that, I definitely don't want to be disturbed and it flicking on and then flicking off when i close the app is super super helpful that's really that cool i didn't yeah I, I never used zoom on my phone but i could see how that would be useful just the mm. the level of automation on our phones is staggering sometimes it's such mm -hmm. a hack once you figure out a few automations that you can do I, I i do it with clients all the time i say you know just try this one thing and see how much brain time it gives you back so they'll try one thing so say calendly i was talking with one of my clients about calendly the other day and i was like just try it for a week just see what happens and it was it was baffling to her like how many hours of her day she retained from not going back and forth on emails like you mm -hmm. said and once you make one change that amount of brain space say you give yourself back like two percent brain power what can you do with an extra two percent brain power you can make mm -hmm. another better decision that gets you to like 10 percent brain power and it's like all these yeah, things yeah. compound over the course of a day so they sound like nothing in the moment but the hours that you save and it's not about like optimizing your time for the sake of being the most productive machine that you can be because i think that's bullshit and i think that's really toxic to think in that way but if you're making your own life easier you feel better for doing it and then you can mm. spend time doing things that you actually want to be doing like when you're out with friends you can have a dinner and have a conversation with them without feeling like oh crap i need to catch up on my emails or oh no you don't have that sense of panic of like i have somewhere else to be i have something else to do because you're giving everything mm -hmm. the kind of allocated time that it needs yeah it's 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 like feeling when you you're reading a book and you get to the bottom of a page and you realize you've not taken in anything that you've read because yeah. you're thinking about something else that's the great analogy yes and that happens so often doesn't it you read it five <laughs> or six times you're like i must read this book because it's so good and then it's like well you're obviously not 
you're not in the right place for that book right now. You yeah. need to go go sleep or something and come yeah, back. Or go and do the thing that is that's boring. Yeah. <laughs> the the one that there's a the couple of things that I found I could use the automation for, which are kind of the opposite. So um, if you think about uh, kind of getting getting stuff done, you know, uh, achieving things um, is kind of sometimes about removing friction. Mm. Um, actually, you could also use the automation stuff for adding friction to things that you want to stop doing. Totally. Yes. Great shout. So so I, I put a thing where um, it would, um, for some apps such as on a Twitter or whatever, where I could find I would just be in it and I'd been in it for 10 minutes and I don't even remember opening it. I'm not even sure why I picked up my phone. <laughs> but apparently I'm cross about Donald Trump or whatever again. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a, so I just put a, a short, well, an automation on that where I would open the app and it would, pause for 30 seconds mm. and then my and there was just a cancel button so i could either wait for 30 seconds or i could just cancel it and go back to do whatever that's i did before so great that's a great idea and does it stop you using it do you normally cancel it do you think i do yeah because i'll, I'll have opened it just out of habit yeah um and the other one that i found um was i as a bit of an extension for that I started keeping a list of things that I could do on my phone in like a minute or two minutes uh-huh. that I called my instead of Twitter list. <laughs> and so what it would do is when I opened Twitter, it would pop that list up first. That's cool. Um, what were so some of the other I, things you had? So it'd be things like, I don't know, um, if I was going to buy, uh, buy a refill for my pen off Amazon or <laughs> I was going to research, a, you know, um, it's my wife's birthday coming up and I was going to research what, present i was going to get for Uh or something just things like that you could do or just you know like i needed to pause my coffee delivery because i've got too many coffee beans at the moment things like that and i'd just be like oh okay i've now i've got my phone and i've opened twitter without meaning to i could actually do this job yeah yeah and it's like you still get the dopamine hit but it's kind of a bigger dopamine hit because it's a slightly longer job compared to your your tweets and stuff it's a slightly Mm -hmm. longer job but you get a bigger dopamine hit so you enjoy it more and it's god that's so clever yeah putting the barrier in your way to stop you it's like when you're on a diet isn't it and you hide all the good food good food Mm. like the fun food you hide it all day (laughs) yeah you put it on a really high shelf so you have to go and get a chair and it's just like yeah so yeah and then by the time you've gone and thought about it you've kind of given your kind of cognitive brain a chance to catch up with your animal Mm. brain and go do you really want that do you really want that invariably yes but at least you thought about it we're incredibly lazy like beings really i think any any degree yeah. of friction we, that's one of the things that i kind of learned from doing like process mapping and um process redesign with with people in um in companies is that sometimes stuff's not happening just because it's like just a little bit too difficult yeah it's not even that it's it's not even that it's particularly hard. it's just like that takes me like opening this particular app to put in my expenses um takes just opening the app takes 45 seconds so i just don't bother yeah you know (laughs) it's so true but it's like we were saying earlier like our modern lives are so chaotic and there's so much going on that every little decision takes it out of us it's really draining Mm -hmm. and that's why it's so hard to be an adult I, i really do think it's a lot of it is down to the decision fatigue and 
having to do this and should I do this or should I do this so we just do the thing that's the easiest because it's it's the path of least resistance even if it's mm-hmm. something that harms us like you go for a cigarette without thinking about it because that's just what you do you, you don't think about the long-term implications you do it because it's easier in the moment because that'll get you through the next hour with the nightmare boss or whatever and it's not that we're stupid or anything it's just that life is hard enough and we just want to make it easier <laughs> for ourselves so it's it's a really important thing to be aware of these things that we do and, and to think about how we can kind of hack it in a better direction because as much as we want to do the things that are immediately gratifying some of them are obviously more harmful than helpful but we've got to take away that layer of judgment that comes with it because it is like you said it's very much ingrained into us and built into us as humans as animals we are wired to do the easy thing and to do the most comforting mm. thing to keep us safe so it's hard it's hard to make kind of sensible grown-up decisions to help ourselves along but um but we are capable at the same time we definitely can do that it's about kind of gaming the gaming the system and the game in a way that we can win absolutely yes that's that's i've not actually thought about gamifying my life but now i'm actually thinking about doesn't how that make it sound more for... fun <laughs> yeah yeah it's just like make yourself a cup of coffee and something explodes into coins that's what, that's what we need <laughs> So what was the last really useful thing you bought or acquired? I really struggled with this question for ages. I was like, what do I buy anymore? I feel like I never buy anything that's not food. And it's like food is useful, but I I couldn't get excited about that question because I was like, I just I just don't know. It gave me a complex. But then I realized um, a lot of things that I buy that are useful are more like services, more so than products. So I'm Mm -hmm. not one for like buying stuff because like I think you can see in my background, I have enough stuff. Like if I'm going to buy anything, it's going to be a book, but I have enough books. So I'm 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 like withdrawing slowly from my book addiction. but one thing I have invested in a lot at the moment is health related things. So now that everything is opening back up and it's easier to access uh, health services, I'm going for acupuncture later because I get mm. really bad migraines and I don't know why acupuncture works, but it just works and it works for six months at a time. So that's a, a tip for anyone that gets migraines that can't find anything to take the edge off. I find that really helps. Um and similarly, I've had um, some gut health problems that have worried me for about six years. And um, I felt I felt like when I was going through the traditional kind of healthcare process, I was only treating the symptoms. I wasn't getting to the root of the problem. And even the, the things that were helping the symptoms didn't help all the time. So I felt like there was something more going on. And it finally got to that point where I was like, I am sick of being sick now. So I got some gut health tests done and apparently I have parasites, which is delightful. I'm with parasites. Um, harboring some little fugitives, <laughs> so eating for 200. I don't even know. Um, but yeah, apparently they've been there for ages and it explains a lot about the health problems I've been having. So um, that was incredibly useful to have those tests done. Mm. Incredibly useful. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not really one for spending money on stuff, but if I'm going to, if I'm going to invest in it, I like to invest in myself. So if, if it's like training or something that will help my health, but annoyingly I had to get mm-hmm. to the point where I was so like, I was at the, the point of like, this is unbearable now before I did it. I just wish I'd done it a few years ago, really. With hindsight, it's always easy to do that. I think there's something there about about getting to the root cause rather than just treating the symptoms though, isn't there? As again, it's part of the human condition, I think that when, if something's not actively hurting at this point, then does it need we, we you know we probably take far better care of of our phones and like cars and things that we do of our bodies a lot of the time because yeah they don't you know they they don't 
rattle in the same way. That's so interesting. I think uh, we're really good with preventative maintenance um, or kind of standard maintenance. Like I remember when I worked in the coffee shop, we used to have um, all these maintenance checks that we did. So we did preventative maintenance on the coffee machine and on the filter and on the water supply. We had mm-hmm. all these people coming in. Like I said to my area manager one day, quite soon after I'd been made the manager, I said like, we're spending so much money on this maintenance. Like, like there's nothing wrong with the machine. Why are we wasting money on it? And he turned around and he said, the reason you don't have any problems is because you're spending that £300 a month, get it done. And I was just, it was a real learning point because I, I didn't really understand what he meant. But then I saw in another store that didn't keep on top of their preventative maintenance, they had to do reactionary maintenance and the bills that they got from that in the tens of thousands to replace the coffee machine. And I was like, I get it. I get it. And it took me years again to apply it to my own life, but exactly the same is true for humans. Like we need to keep mm-hmm. on top of our, our mental health, our physical health. And even when it comes to things like your, your daily routine and the way that you, you know, the people that you hang out with, you might think, oh, it'll be such a drama if I cut that person off. And I just, we kind of make that decision of like, what's more painful in the moment. And I think having a difficult conversation feels really painful. So we avoid it. But then sometimes mm-hmm. you need to have a difficult conversation and you need to cut off the the toxic person or you need to have that breakup in order for everything else to improve. And it's that kind of, again, we're wired to do the simple thing. We're wired to take the, the route mm-hmm. that we know. And we're, we're so conditioned to think that change is scary and scary equals bad. But, you know, we're, we're quite imaginative as a species. We are able to think about different solutions to different problems. And we don't have to do things just because that's the way we've always done it. We can think mm-hmm. differently. We can make better decisions for ourselves, but it takes brain power. It takes a little bit of bravery. It takes a bit of gutsiness to say, actually enough is enough before the point of hitting a crisis and having, you know, something makes you need to stop. It mm-hmm. it takes a lot of um, self-awareness to say, actually, let, I'll, let me do myself a favor in fact to use your turn of phrase do do yourself a favor and uh make that decision before you have to and that's a very nice segue into my, my final question which <laughs> is to complete that sentence i actually had a slightly different answer could i could i offer a second of, of course of course you can yeah I, I was hoping that you'd, you'd not just already done it without without the build-up so um so yeah if, com- complete the sentence do yourself a favor and stop being a dick to yourself because i think so many of us are ruthlessly, ridiculously dickheaded and mean to ourselves without maybe even realizing that we're doing it. It it just happens in tiny little subtle ways. Like you'll be a bit self-deprecating and you'll say, oh, I'm chissed at that. Oh, how funny. And you might make a joke, but then that joke goes on a little bit too long or you make that same joke too many times or you'll put yourself down in front of a potential client or like all these little tiny things it might not feel like you're being a bully or that you're being an outward, like horrendous person, but they do chip away at you. They chip away at your self-esteem. And I did it for many, many years before anybody picked me up on it. And now I like, I surround myself with really cool, really good um, cheerleaders and people who are always quick to jump in when they think you're being a bit, bit of a dick to yourself there. Could you, could you speak a bit more nicely? Could you reframe that? Could you think about it in a different way? And um, I think it's something that, it can be a bit sneaky if we don't pick up on it and if we don't spot it in mm-hmm. ourselves. I think it's important to surround yourself with good people who can spot that in you. Um, because I, I always think I'm quite neutral, if nothing else. I don't try and be, you know, I'm not from the self-love brigade of like, oh my God, love yourself. And I love that kind of ideology, but that ain't me. <laughs> I, I can't, I, it doesn't speak to me. But I can very much get on board with being 
an ally to myself and being tolerating myself and uh, uh yeah i've got a lot of good people around me who can pick up on when i'm not being that so do yourself a favor and stop being a dick to yourself is my answer tim that's fantastic i think there's yeah there's something about the limiting beliefs that we accept ourselves quite quickly and sometimes in the there's a fine line between self-awareness and being a dick to yourself you know yes, it's it's, it's fine to it's fine to recognize that something isn't your strength Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's very helpful to recognise that, say, something isn't a strength, but to then actively turn that into a weakness or a failing through repeatedly telling you you can't do it is then when mm-hmm. it becomes difficult. So yeah, I think it's difficult to str- it. It can be easy for self awareness to to trip over in, into something that's a, that's more negative and more damaging. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, the generation below myself, like the Gen Zers they have the highest self-awareness out of any of us. And it can be a real strength if you channel it in the correct kind of way. But I think they're in a, in a dangerous place really, because they're so self-aware to the point where they're almost overly anxious and scared of doing anything sometimes. Cause they look at social media and look at what other people are doing and they go, Oh, well, I could do that or I could do that. And I could do that. And they get that information overload mm-hmm. to the point where they can't make any decisions. Um, so yeah, it's, it's important to learn how to channel your self-awareness and how to turn it into a strength. And that couples with things like self-acceptance and self-acknowledgement, being able to recognize everything that you have achieved and everything that you are good at and to be able to really champion yourself, not just just, um, draw lines under things that you're like, that's bad, that's bad, that's bad. Maybe not even ascribing a meaning to things and saying that's bad, just to say, oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting thing about myself. I wonder what that means and where that could go. And, you know, we can invest in all types of, um services and and content and stuff to that effect to do that level of self-inquiry and to see it as a fun process rather than oh my god i hate spending time with myself it's it's scary and it's bad like personal growth can be it can be really challenging but can be really amazing and really liberating as Mm. well so yeah very much a fan of that way of thinking well this has been a lot of fun alice thank you um thank you for your time um how can people find you where do they find you uh, I'm all over Instagram and LinkedIn. So if they just look for Alice Lyons on LinkedIn or Dark Coffee Wellbeing on Instagram, I'm definitely going to be in those two places. Excellent. Um, so for your do- dose of badassery, then you know where to go. But thank you very much, and we'll see you again next time. You've been listening to Do Yourself a Favour, the podcast about learning from experience and the things we do to make our lives easier. Brought to you by Make Work Work Better. My name's Tim Sisney from Make Work Work Better. Our theme tune is by The Titanics. Talk to you again soon.